with what God is doing in our lives and with the message today, uh, day by day and with each passing moment was one of the songs at my wife's funeral service that we used uh, 13 and a half years ago. And I, I've seen as uh, we heard Make Me a Servant, I've seen that work out in our own church this week. This church at Crossroads, we already knew what the God is doing here and what he's working in hearts, but boy, people have served and rallied around people who needed you in the church, and uh, what a blessing to see his servants at work, uh, not preaching ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. This uh, card I wanted to read, thank you for that uh, birthday party last Sunday night, it was a real blessing. Dear Crossroads family, your friendship and encouragement mean so much to Linda and to me. We're often overwhelmed with your kindness to us. Thank you for the birthday party and the gift and the cards and the cake and pizza and your love to us. Bernie was right. He is young and I am very old. And <laughs> Quoted right out of scripture. He quoted right out of scripture. We love each of you and uh, thank you so much for that. Today we're going to look at our Bible at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We've been preaching through this book with the theme of joy or rejoicing. And Paul finds himself, he's in prison as he writes this book to the church at Philippi. And we're in chapter 4 now and we're looking at verses 8 and 9. Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Father, we pray that today that you would take the word of God. I pray that, God, you would do a work in each of our hearts. You've done a work in mine in just preparing this message. And I pray today, if there be one here today without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would come to know our precious Lord. And then for those that of, of us that know Christ, that, Lord, you'd move us up a little closer, help us to rely upon you even more, we'd be more and more God-dependent, and I pray that this peace of God that is spoken of in this passage, we would know because of the way we think and the way that we live. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It was good today to meet Pastor Nathan Diedrich's granddaughter, uh, grandchild, that grandchild. The grandchildren are wonderful. I mean, I have children, that's, that's great. Uh, Linda and I now, between us, have seven children and their spouses. But those 21 grandkids, I'm going to tell you, they are, and then, the, then all of a sudden you get great-grandchildren. And uh, so the fourth one of those is on the way to probably be born next month, and it'll be right there in Rock Hill where we live, so we'll be close, spoiling that child, I mean, taking care of that child, and uh, we're, we're excited about that. But I have a, one of my grandchildren, he's four years old, and we love him. And I love this little boy, Wilson. He uh, lives in Central outside of Clemson. Uh, his daddy, my son, is a CPA, senior accountant. 
uh, for a company in Seneca, South Carolina. And uh, these one of five children in that family. They had twin boys born last March, uh, March the 2nd. They'll be one year old. Uh, he is uh, four years old. His name is Wilson. And so not too long ago, they go to a, one of these classical homeschool uh, groups that meet at University Baptist Church there in Clemson. My son, John, uh, is the assistant pastor there at University Baptist Church at Clemson. And they run a, a kind of a hybrid type school, classical school, where the kids come to school uh, some of the week and they're homeschooled at home uh, the rest of the week. Well, Wilson was at school and uh, it had already been reported when we raised our children, there was a word that they were not allowed to use. The word S-T-U-P-I-D. You could not use that word. Matter of fact, they would tell on each other that one somebody had said that word and we don't use that word. And uh, so anyway, Wilson, we heard, had called his six-year-old brother that word, S-T-U-P-I-D. And so his dad, when he got home, my son Matt said, Wilson, did you use that word, calling your brother that name? He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, why did you do it? He said, well, there was a friend of his that told me to call him that. And so I did. did not, didn't we tell you that before you make a decision or before you say something or before you do something, didn't we tell you that you ought to think about it? He said, well, I knew that, but I, I just didn't think about it. I just went ahead and called him that word. We laughed about just getting, not getting around to thinking about it, but did you know that many of us don't get around to thinking about something either? And we make decisions and we say words and we think things before we've ever thought it through. Here's two commands in two verses in Philippians chapter 4. In the verse 8, the command is at the end where it says, think. Think on these things. That's a command from scripture. And then in the second verse, verse 9, the command is the word do or practice. Practice this, this thing. Think and practice. So I've called the sermon Think and Do. We often ask this question or somebody asks us this question when we do something. What were you thinking? Linda probably thought that when she married me. Uh, what were you thinking? Did you know that what we do is often determined by how we think. Our thinking changes our action. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Apostle Paul is writing in this section, beginning in verse 1 of, of chapter 4, he says, Therefore, my Brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. And there, again, a command, stand fast in the Lord. And he's telling in this section 
how that these believers at Philippi could stand fast. And we talked about how that we need to stand for the Lord today and not go wobbly, not be wobbly. And here he's telling them, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And because of that, here is part of that. It's right praying, right thinking, and right living. Finally, he says in verse 8, finally, this is the conclusion of that section. He doesn't mean that the letter is completely over yet. We still have some more verses there. Just like he said back in chapter 3 and verse 1, he said in chapter 3 and verse 1 of Philippians, he said, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And he was saying, kind of like Paul Harvey used to say, now the rest of the story, there's 40-something verses still left in the book of Philippians. But he's saying, now the rest of the story are, let me tell you this in relationship to this passage of Scripture. Finally, he says, brethren, writing to the Christians, whatsoever things are true. He gives eight things that are listed here. It's not an exhaustive list, but eight things that we ought to be thinking on, the things that we ought to consider. He says, first of all, whatsoever things are true. Last week, we looked at how to have a cure for worry, how you and I are to rejoice in the Lord, uh, verse 4, but we looked, and that was a couple of weeks ago, but last week, we looked at be careful for nothing or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And now he says, think about things that are true. Most of the things we worry about never come to pass, never happen. We're supposed to focus upon truth. This is the most important of the eight things listed in verse 8. Whatever thing, whatsoever things are true. And it's, this is whatsoever is in the plural, which means there are many things could be listed under this same category. Whatsoever things are true. Look with me at Psalm 19. We're coming back to Philippians chapter 4, but Psalm 19. Last Monday, 53 years ago, in a dorm room at Clemson, I received Christ as my Savior, civil engineering student. And uh, I was working with a ministry called the Navigators, Discipleship and Evangelism. And uh, we would sing have the, these rally meetings together, sometimes at Tacoa Falls or we're uh, sometimes in the, just in the basement of a dorm and we would learn some choruses and we, one of the choruses I learned back then had to do with this passage of scripture in Psalm 19. Look what it says in Psalm 19 verse 7. The law of the Lord, referring to the Bible, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord, again, all of these phrases, statutes or law, are referring to the scriptures. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And think of that in light of this list we're going to be looking at in Philippians 4.8. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true 
and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And so here we see that the scriptures, we know them to be true. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This is the truth. This is the word of God. It's, the, it's true. And we ought to be thinking on the scriptures. And no matter what we're going through, we need to focus back to the Bible. It uses, we use it against sin as Jesus did and when he was tempted uh, by Satan three times. He quoted uh, from Deuteronomy. We use the, the word of God, but we ought to be thinking on the truths of scripture. What is true about God? What is true about my life and, and my insufficiency and his all-sufficiency, his adequacy and my inadequacy for any situation? Whatsoever things are true, we're going to be thinking on those things. Matter of fact, he tells us that we're going to be thinking on it, and I use the word muse. What, 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 do, you, what do you mull over in your mind? What are you thinking about? Oftentimes, Satan uses things that we think about, oh, you're not going to make it. You can't do it. And in our own strength, we can't. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, without me, ye can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I, I want to speak truth to my heart and we think on, mull over truth in our lives. There is a a book that we've used with Discipleship for Women called Lies Women Believe by Nancy Lee DeMoss. How many of you ever heard of that book? Any of you ever heard of it? All right, a couple of you have. Nancy Lee DeMoss now goes to Community Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Marsh Fant, my best friend in the ministry, his son, Joe Fant, who used to work at the Wiles up here. Joe is the pastor where Bud Stedman, Bud Stedman used to be the pastor at Community Baptist years ago. And in that church, Nancy Lita Moss, her husband, have moved down. Uh, they live in Michigan, but they've moved down uh, to come to church at Community Baptist Church there. And we have used that book many times by Nancy Lita Moss, Lies Women Believe. And then there's a, a counterpart to it, a book she's written, Lies Young Women Believe. But it's not just for women. It's for men, too. We often believe the lies of Satan, when we're not meditating on the truths of God. What does God really say? What does God really say? And so you and I, we are first of all to think on things that are true. Things that are true. Second, he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, he says not only things that are true, but whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are Honest, or the word means honorable. It can refer to things that are noble or reverent or worthy of respect. The word is used to describe deacons and their wives in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's used to refer to uh, women in the scriptures in general in uh, Titus chapter 2. That same word, the word Translated, honest. We're spoke, whatever things are honest, we're to think on those things. Next, he says, I want you to think on things that are 
just, just. What is right? What lines up with the scriptures? What conforms to God's standard? Those are the things we need to focus on. That's the things we need to be thinking on. Fourth, he says, think whatever things are pure. Whatever's clean and holy and wholesome. Referring primarily to things that are morally pure. I think in light of Christ's coming, the fact that he's coming back, one day those of us who are believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and that we're becoming more and more like Christ. First John chapter 3 and verse 3 says, if we have this hope in him, that man purifies himself. First John 3 and 3 says, in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, Christ, is pure. In Matthew chapter 5, it's, Jesus says about expanding uh, the law that the people have heard. He said, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Even as, as, as it was doing the act in his heart, he says. So what we think about, we think about things that are pure. Things that are pure. Pornography, it's a killer. It's a crippler even in the church. I think of Job and we're preaching on Job on Sunday nights and uh, we're preaching tonight about Job as well. It says in Job chapter 31 and verse 1 that he made a covenant with his eyes that he would not think upon a maid. Even uses the word think. That he would not think upon a maid in, in a sinful way to looking at a, at a, at a, at a woman. So he made a covenant with his eyes. So you and I, if we're going to stand fast in the Lord, we're going to need to think on things that are pure. This world is no friend to grace. This world is not helping us to think on things that are pure. But we need to make a conscious effort by the grace of God to think on things that are pure. Then he says, number five, whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are lovely, sweet or gracious or pleasing to God could be. This word only appears here in this text in the New Testament. Whatever is acceptable to God, these are the kind of things that we ought to be thinking about. Things that are lovely. Number six, he says, whatsoever things are of good rapport. Good report. So he's talking about things that are positive or constructive. I was talking to a fellow pastor this week, and I was just thanking the Lord for this church, by the way. Thanking the Lord for Crossroads. I was talking to a fellow pastor, and he was talking about how that in his church there has been a critical spirit developed in that church. And I thought, I don't want to go to a church where they sing that song, there's a critical spirit in this place and I know it's not the spirit of the Lord. I wouldn't want to go there, would you? He says, think on things that are of good report or positive or constructive, not negative and destructive. Things about kindness and courtesy and respect for others. And when we think about that, I think about that in relationship to a remedy for worry from verse 6 of chapter 4. Be careful for nothing, 
when we have the right kind of spirit, the things that we're thinking on, it has a great effect on how we think about others, how we think about building up one another and not tearing up one another down. Think upon things, he said, whatsoever things are of, of a good report. And then he gives a, a kind of a summary at the end of verse 8. He says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. He summarizes it by virtue. The word means excellence, things of excellence, and things that are praiseworthy. He said those that are praiseworthy, those kind of things summarize the first six things he's listed in this verse. He says, when you think about that, he's not, and again, not an exhaustive list, but our thought life affects how we live. He says, you think on these things, the end of verse eight, a command in scripture in the present tense, keep on continually thinking on these things. I think about how that in chapter 3 and verse 19 here of Philippians. Look at that verse. We already preached about that. He's talking about those false teachers and those enemies of the cross of Christ. He mentions in verse 18 of chapter 3 of Philippians. He says in that verse, verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame. And notice the last four words of verse 19. Who mind earthly things. There's a big contrast between chapter 4 and verse 8 on the things of thinking on things that are true and lovely and of good report and pure versus those that mind, whose mind is on earthly things. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 tells us that we're to set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. You and I are to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. When I first went to college and we first had computers, I know that for you young people, you don't realize, I mean, you've got a computer and we've got a computer in our phone. I mean, it's a very small computer. can do a whole lot more with that size computer than what we could do years ago with the first computers that came out. When I went to Clemson, uh, in 1969 in the dark ages. Why? Because Bernie is young and I'm very old. Uh, in 1969, the, uh, the computer at Clemson was bigger than this room, bigger than this room. It was down in the uh, P&A building uh, there at Clemson and you would uh, write up a, a program. We used Fortran and we write, would write up a program and uh, because I couldn't type very well on those cards, you would let some people that were uh, maybe graduate students uh, get working their way through school who would do the typing, and they would type on these cards, and you would come out with a stack of cards, and you better keep them in order. That meant something. So you had them, if you do a, I was doing maybe something to do with uh, steam or something like that in a, in a, in a class in thermodynamics, I tell people, what, they said, what'd you learn in thermodynamics? I said, you don't take a tuna fish sandwich to, to work on a hot day. That's what I learned in thermodynamics. Uh, but ther taking thermodynamics and you were, you were typing out these cards and, and like I say, the computer was huge, big, big computer. And you typed out these cards and, and then they would feed those cards and they would print out a, a printout and a dot matrix printer would print out a, a printout. 
But there was a saying back then that's still true today. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. And when I think about it in my own heart, that's why Proverbs chapter 4 tells me that I'm supposed to guard my heart for out of it are the issues of life. That you and I, what we put in, we put garbage in, we're going to get garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. And our minds, according to the scriptures, are to be transformed. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, tells us we're to put off the old man and we're to put on, it says, the new man. And in between those, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds are transformed by the word of God. God changes our thinking, and when he changes our thinking, he changes our life. He changes our life. So he says, these kinds of things, think on these things. Many people... Sometimes for all of us, we've done this. We have lived by our feelings. We not, we're not to live by our feelings. We're to live by the truths of God, what God has to say. Our feelings change from day to day. They're up and they're down, and they're up and they're down. Let me ask you today, what's controlling your thinking? What's controlling your thinking? Are you thinking on things that are true and things that are just and right and pure? Things that are of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says he commands us, think, think on these things. In verse 9, we're going to see the second part. First, our thinking. Secondly, what we do or how we live, how we live. And he says here in verse 9 of chapter 4, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. There's the command. First one is think. That's a command also. And he says, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Notice, though, the order in which it's given in that verse. He says, first of all, those things which ye have both learned learned and received. I'm just thankful for people who have invested in my life, people who disciple me, people took time, spend time with me one-on-one or in a small Bible study or in a Sunday school class or a faithful preacher, uh, the first independent church, the second actually independent church, first church I joined, Independent Baptist Church, was Orangeburg Baptist Tabernacle in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I was working as an engineer with the highway department down there. And uh, we, we, my wife and I uh, were married in 1974, and we joined that church. And I, we had a faithful preacher, some great Sunday school teachers, uh, people who uh, worked with us and invested in our lives. Then we moved to a little town 12 miles away, St. Matthew's. St. Matthew's is on the other side of resumed safe speed. I'm in a real small little town. Uh, I was the maintenance engineer over the upper part of Orangeburg County and all of Calhoun County. 
uh, 640 miles of road, and we only had three stoplights. I mean, it was a lot of cotton and soybeans, and uh, just a great time there. A little church meeting in a house, just starting a new church called Calhoun Baptist Church, meeting in a house, and uh, the pastor took me under his wing, began to disciple me some more. I led singing, didn't know how to, didn't know one note from another, and still don't know one note from another. Led singing. I uh, taught a discipleship Sunday school class on a back screen in porch back there. Uh, was the soul winning partner with the pastor, and uh, he just discipled me. And God, in 1977, I went to that church in 1975, in 1977, God called me to preach. And I'm just so thankful for the investment that people have made in my lives because there's things that I have learned. Secondly, he says, those things that you have received. This week, there's been some people we prayed with who grandchildren have made very poor decisions. Some of them who went to Christian schools and some of them who were taught in good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches who have made poor decisions. And I say it's one thing for you to get learned by somebody teaching you. It's another thing when you receive it and you make it your own. When you make it your own, all of a sudden it's not mom and daddy's faith, it's your faith. It's not their convictions, it's your convictions. It's not their walk with God, it's your personal walk with God. It's been passed on by others. So he said the things that you have learned and the things you have received and the things you have heard, and I'm so thankful for 53 years that God's been working in my life since I got saved, how he's been working through people who have helped me to learn and receive and hear. But then notice the fourth thing he mentions in verse 9, and the things you have seen in me. The things you have seen in me. Much of the Christian life is caught, not just taught. The things you have seen in me. Paul says several times, look at chapter 3 of Philippians and verse 17. Paul is telling these believers at Philippi in verse 17 of chapter 3. We've already preached on this text. He said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example or example. It means a, a pattern. It comes from the Greek word tupos, which means a pattern. Like, like some of these ladies in our church here who know how to take a pattern and take some cloth and know how to cut that off and, and cut it out around it and Make a beautiful garment. He said, you have us for a pattern, for a, an example. So he's saying here, not only things you have learned, not just the classes you set in, are the things that you have received and heard, but the things you have seen, he said. The things you have observed in my life, not perfect, none of us are. Remember when the old lady used to say to you, grandma might even have said it, do as I say, not as I do. Uh-oh. Why? Because we often catch 
more of how people live than just what they taught us. Do as I say and as I do, then we ought to say that to ourselves so we'll be the example to others as well. Church and church fellowships, the things that have helped to found, make a foundation strong in my own Christian life are things that have been learned, received, I've made my own, I've heard, and I've seen in others. And he said, when you do that, practice it, do it. That's, this, that's a second command in our text. The second command is to do it, practice it. And it's in the present tense. Keep on practicing it. James chapter 1 verse 22 says to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Be a doer of the word. And then he says, here's what's going to happen. And the God of peace shall be with you. We learned about that last week in verse 7. It says the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says you have the right thinking that produces the right action as you do or practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in other Christians who are living for God. Practice those things. And when you do that, the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace. The right thinking changes my actions and my reactions. And the result is God gives us peace. Right praying, right thinking, right living brings peace in our heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the problem with most Christians is they just don't think. They just don't think. Jonathan Edwards, who uh, a lot of his writings, matter of fact, some books over in the mission house uh, by Jonathan Edwards, sometimes I've said I've had to read, you have to read the page three or four times to understand what he's saying. But he wrote often about the affections of our heart. What, what is the affections of our heart? And uh, what we think controls what we do. Spiritual stability, not going wobbly, comes when we think right and when we do right by the word of God and by the grace of God. Let's pray together. Father, help us to think and help us to do according to the truths of your word. And we'll thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.